Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. As Eric reminded us last week, we are, we are at the hinge of the book. We're transitioning to Paul's exhortations to us to be who we are in Christ. And so as we're turning to Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to be in verses 1 through 6 this morning. I, as I was studying this passage this week, I remembered uh, when I used to take youth groups to Colorado to Silver Cliff Ranch. Anybody been to Silver Cliff Ranch in Colorado? Well, my wife has. She went with me. Um, we used to go there every summer when we were doing youth ministry in Texas. And one summer I was uh, asked to help encourage students who were about to jump off a cliff on a zip line. And remember, a zip line, there's a cable attached way up here, and then 50 to 100 yards or so away, the cable's attached way down low, and they take a pulley and put it on that cable and a rope tied to the pulley and a rope tied to the harness that you step into, and you get in there, and you jump off a cliff, and you fly through the air. Yeah. And it's crazy, and it's exhilarating. And it's nuts. But that's, that's what I was asked to do, was to just stay there. All the camp staff was there to, you know, to do all the equipment and training and, and help get these kids ready. But I was there as encouragement because some of them um, were a little frightened. And so I, was, I found myself trying to encourage these uh, frightened ones, hey, you can trust all this equipment you can trust all this stuff. These people know what they're doing. You've seen dozens of your friends doing this. All you have to do is trust the equipment and step out and enjoy the ride. And if they would do that, I said, you will have so much fun. Yes, it might feel for a moment like you're going to fall to your death. But once you realize you're not going to die, you're going to have fun. And it changes everything. Well, even, even with all that encouragement, there are a few students who just wouldn't do it. So they got out of their harnesses and they walked away. And, you know, you wonder what held them back? Why, why would they not do it? It's because they, they couldn't, they wouldn't trust all that the camp had given them to enable them to walk into the wild adventure that was before them. They just couldn't trust. And you can stand there all day long and talk about how much you trust these cables and this harness. And you can say, I've seen a dozen of my friends do it. All these trained people are telling me it's going to be okay. You can talk about it all day long. I trust this equipment. But until you step off the cliff, you haven't really trusted it. And until you step off the cliff, you haven't really experienced the strength and safety that... That equipment provides you, and you certainly won't experience the thrill and the joy of ziplining. And so, I knew all that. I knew that if they would just do it, they would love it. And so I urged them, don't walk away from this opportunity. And that's what Paul is doing in Ephesians. He, he's doing what I did at the zipline. 
In chapters 1 through 3, he's been telling us all, all that we've been provided in Jesus. And now, in verse 1 of chapter 4, Paul says, I urge you to step out, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. He's saying, hey, church, listen. God has called you from death to life through Jesus Christ. And by his spirit, Jesus lives in you to fill you and equip you to be his people in the place he's put you. So I urge you, Paul says, to step out by faith into that calling God has for you. Be who you are in Christ. And for the rest of the letter, Paul will tell us what it looks like to walk in a way that fits the calling we've received. Today and next week, he's going to tell us to walk in oneness. Then he's going to tell us to walk in renewal. Then he's going to tell us to walk in love and then walk in light and then walk in wisdom. He's wanting us to step off the cliff and walk by faith and not by sight. And so this morning, as we come to the first of those ways of walking in Ephesians 4, we're going to ask and answer two questions. What has God provided for his people as we're standing here on the cliff of safety? And what will it look like when God's people trust what God has provided and step out into the thrill and joy of being the people God has made us in the places he's put us? So let's find the answers to those questions as we stand. And I read Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. Hear the word of the God who loves his church, the word of the God who loves you. Paul writes, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Lord, would you help us to hear your word, and would you equip us to be people who are ready to jump? In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So here's the whole point Paul is making in these six verses. I'm going to tell you what the point is. It's in two parts, and I'm going to illustrate them, and we're going to pray and come to the table. This is the whole point Paul is making. God has made you one with each other in him. Therefore, walk in oneness. That's it. That's the sermon. God has made you one with each other in him, so walk in oneness. Where do I see this? First, God has made you one with each other in him. Look at verses 4 through 6. We're going to start there first. He says, there is one body. Listen to all the oneness, seven of them. One body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all. And in all, Paul says we are one body. We are organically connected to one another so that we are one organism, one body. You know, 
they've discovered what they think is the largest single organism on planet Earth. And you might think perhaps that's some sort of blue whale or something. But it's actually a collection of trees that they named Pando. And I think we have a picture. This is an artist's sort of inspired, um, inspired by Pando, the uh, what they call a clone of aspen trees. And this is located in Utah. Uh, so you can go home and, and Google it and look it up. But it's the largest living organism on the planet. And it's located in the Fish Lake National Forest of Utah. Pando is a clone of 40,000 aspen trees with the same root system. See, oh, you can leave that up there the whole time. 40,000 trees, one root system. It spans over 106 acres. And in fact, the word pando is Latin for spread. It spread <laughs> over 106 acres. And it weighs they think, about 13 million pounds. That's a lot more than a blue whale. And it was first discovered in the 1970s that Pando is this single organism. And research has since shown that Pando spawned from a singular seed thousands of years ago, making all the aspens, all 40,000 of, of them in the stand of trees, genetically identical. And each new sapling of Pando that arises does not come from a new seed, but comes from the existing root, root structure. And they say that Pando is remarkably resilient because its constituent trees cooperate to sustain one another. That sounds familiar. All the trees cooperate to sustain one another. If one of the trees in the system is ailing, extra resources will be diverted to that individual tree. Friends, this is what Paul means when he says all believers in Jesus are one body. The church is organically one because it comes from one and the same source. We may look like a grove of individual trees, but deep down we are one living organism because we're all, we all come from and are rooted in one seed, God himself. And that's what Paul is saying in these verses. He's saying, each of you were called into one family by your one God who is the father of each of you, over each of you, through each of you, and in each of you. You are one because of your father's plan to make you his as he talked about in chapter 1. And then how did he make rebels into children and into a family? Through the provision of his son Jesus. Each of you has one and the same Lord. You have the same Lord who came in, the hum in human flesh to die for your dead and sin heart, to make you alive together with him, to raise you with him, to seat you with him at the Father's right hand. And he goes on to say, and each of you share in one faith, that, that faith that with empty hands receives the gift of who Jesus is for us and all that he's done for us. One faith. And then we all share in one baptism, that one baptism that pictures the work that Jesus has done to cleanse us from our sin 
and to make us brand new. One Lord in whom we have one faith that is pictured, and what he's done is pictured by one baptism. We all share this. And then each of us share in one spirit. The Father who planned this and the Son who provided all of this has now given us their spirit, the one spirit to dwell in us as the new temple of God, to fill us with his presence and power. So this is how we've been equipped. This is, this is the harness and the rope and the carabiner that's attached to the cable. This is how we've been equipped. Like Pando, we're one organism, and all of us find our roots in the same God who called us from every nation and generation and made us his. He made us one. So then what will it look like when God's people trust what God has provided for us and and we step out into the thrill and joy of being that people of God that God has made us in the place he's put us? What what will it look like? Well, that's what verses 2 and 3 tell us. It looks like this. We will relate to one another with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. See, the cable of this zip line is made of humility and gentleness, patience and love. And with this, this word really bothers me. Eagerness to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I wonder sometimes, how eager am I? It's more like, well, I know we're supposed to be one in the Spirit. and I'm supposed to love my brothers and sisters in Christ. And we're supposed to be, here's another sermon on unity. That's not eagerness. Eagerness is, I cannot wait to do everything in my power to make sure that we're one. Wow. That's a zip line I'm scared to ride. And that kind of relating to one another that Paul's describing there, that humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another, kind of relating to one another in the church is scary. And it does sometimes feel like you're going to fall to your death. In fact, Jesus says, in order to do it, you have to die. But remember, remember who Paul is writing to here. We've already said this a few weeks ago. He's writing to Jews and Gentiles who despised each other but who have now been called into the same church. They've, they've come through Jesus into one new humanity. These are people who had a hundred reasons to divide outside the church, but are now one inside the church. In fact, Paul is saying that because each one of them has been united to God through Jesus and by his spirit, now what unites them is deeper than what divided them. That's what he's trying to say. So he's equipped us with oneness in Christ 
and he's called us to oneness in Christ. But we have to be willing to jump off the cliff of safety. As I close, I just want to try to illustrate what it might look like to live this way. And uh, I debated doing this, but I'm going to use an illustration from my own life of how I had to strap on the harness and trust Jesus and jump off the cliff. Um, So is it all right with you if I'm a little vulnerable this morning? Would that be okay? Okay, good. There's a lot of things they don't teach you in seminary. I never took a class called Hard Conversations. And yet it seems like I have to have a lot of them. No, I get to have a lot of them. Trying to learn how to say that differently. Pastors just have hard conversations a lot. Um, and the worst ones are, are, are when they're about you. <laughs> so the Lord gave me an opportunity to jump off the cliff of safety into a hard conversation this past week. He, uh, he said, hey, Jimmy, I want you to ride the zip line of eagerness to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Because my cliff of safety is um, a fear of failing, and not just failing, but then being rejected because I failed. Now, I say that, and I realize all of you have the same cliff of safety. If I just stay up here (laughs) in a way where I, I won't fail, or at least I can defend my failure, um, and hopefully I won't be rejected, and so... I got to have a hard conversation that threatened my safety. So here was a person whom I knew believed I had failed as a pastor. Would he also reject me? So how would I prepare for such a conversation? I could stay on this cliff of safety by being defensive in the conversation by getting angry and maybe trying to argue my point and shut him down. I could demand to be treated justly or I could jump off the cliff and trust what God had attached me to and come into the conversation with humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with my brother in love and that dreaded eagerness to maintain the unity of the spirit by the, in the bond of peace. So in order to do that, in order to get up to nerve to jump off the cliff, involved lots of praying, lots of walking and praying, lots of asking God to remind me that I am rooted in the love of God the Father and the Son And I am, because of that, filled with the presence and power of the Spirit. So praying that God would remind me of that, would strengthen me in my inner being to believe that I'm rooted and grounded in his love. But also praying for my brother with whom I was going to have a conversation. 
praying that God would help me to remember that he too is rooted in the same Father, Son, and Spirit, and that he and I are part of the, the one body. We are members, as Paul says, members one of another. And we both share in one hope, one spirit, one faith, and one Lord Jesus. So, I think, by the grace and spirit of Jesus, I think I went into the conversation resting in who I am in Christ. I think I relied on the presence and power of Christ in that conversation. Now, we'd have to ask the other person, but I'm not going to tell you who it was. But But I think I felt like I was resting in who I am in Christ. I I felt like I was relying on the presence and power of Christ. And I I asked that God would help my brother do the same as we walked into this conversation together. And so, relying on all that God has promised to be for me and to be in me, I chose to walk into the conversation with humility and gentleness and patience ready to bear with this brother in love. And by the Spirit of God, I tried, I tried not to be defensive, but rather be eager, eager not to defend myself and not to deepen the divide, but to maintain the unity of the Spirit that we have in the bond of peace. And it was scary. And it felt like death at at times. But at the same time, I felt so alive. I felt like, okay, God, you're still at work in me. Because there's no way I could do this unless you did this in me. And I'm not even saying I did it perfectly. But I did it differently. Thanks be to God. So I heard some hard things that day. And guess what? I'm okay. I'm still alive. I didn't fall to my death. And nothing can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And we had a good conversation. And a few more after. And regardless of where it all goes, we're okay. We're one. So Mountain Fellowship, I don't say this to say, hey, look at me. I did it. You can too. No, I'm asking, I'm inviting you, join me on the cliff of safety. Let's peer over into our relationships and think, all right, this is going to scare me to death, but I'm going in because I know who holds me. And let's help each other put on the equipment that God has given us in Christ. And let's together step out in faith, trusting that God will give us all that we need to walk in oneness. Father, would you help us do that um, with each other? So much, so much as we've talked about that could divide us. But there's something deeper that unites us. 
you have made us one in Christ. Help us by your spirit to walk in oneness. We ask in Christ's name, amen.